like your favorite parable in the world. I'm telling you what, it's uh, yeah, right on. I'll get up here, right on. It's uh, yeah, it's a classic. You know, I used to read it, read it to my kids before bed at night, and all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah. So who uh, did you guys get the third question? Uh, anybody have a know what their most treasured resource is this morning? We were talking about the infinity uh, stones. <laughs> These are like time. Chad's or, part has the time stone. What, what are we talking about? Um, what you it's Translation, please. So I said time, okay. and then somebody made a reference to this time stone from the movie, and then it all rapidly evolved into Marvel time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know why I'm just falling behind but on like, this stuff. So like time, power, soul. Anybody else? Most treasured resource, uh, or know what yours is? Infinity stones. Data usage. I don't know. I was gonna say the internet. Internet. I use the internet as a resource. Internet. Wow. Okay. It's your most treasured resource. The first one I thought of. Okay. Sorry, David. I think mental energy is like, that's true, yeah, like it says the five, that's true, yeah, like if I get depleted, I'm useless, I'm like, if you're out of like mental energy and you just can't think anymore, you might as well just lay on the couch and like stare at the ceiling after 9.30 every day, so, uh, So this parable, this parable is super interesting. Uh, it remains is probably one of the most confusing parables out there, even for scholars, because you'll get all sorts of different interpretations and stuff, and you're just like, what in the world is Jesus trying to say? Some people think maybe explanations are missing. Some people think maybe some of the explanations or verses at the end could have been added in for some sort of clarity. So there's just shrouds of mystery uh, around this parable. And so this parable in Luke sits with just... Tons of other stories in Luke that deal with uh, riches and treasure and possessions. And uh, so for Luke, for Luke, it is uh, just crazy imperative that we realize that our material uh, world is directly connected with uh, the kingdom of God. And what we do with our material is uh, super important. Uh, in, uh, in the world and for the kingdom of God. And so for Luke, we cannot forget this, right? So I'm going to jump into this parable and I'm going to just kind of go a little bit by a little bit here and we'll talk about some stuff. Um, but, uh, and so it was, it was actually really difficult to find the transition I wanted to use for this parable because um, even the, the words can be very different. So we just ran with the NRSV, uh, but we'll talk about some of this stuff. So it says, And Jesus said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. Uh, um, so I, again, um, so two two weeks ago, I felt like this could go well, but two weeks ago we talked about the parable of the, the guy who found the treasure in the field. 
if you if you're here for that. But uh, one of the other ones we slightly mentioned was the rich man and Lazarus, uh, which um, is at the end of this chapter, and it begins the exact same way. So anyway, but there uh, was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought uh, to him that. This man was squandering or wasting his possessions, his property, and so he summoned him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. Uh, and so the setting here is kind of like a, it's like a farm, right? Uh, it's like this property, and as it still happens today, the owner would take a, a uh, would sort of parcel out his land and rent to other uh, farmers who would then grow certain crops on that piece of land that they would be renting, and then they would owe a particular portion of whatever they were growing, whether it be oil or uh, uh, making oil or wheat or whatever it was, and that they would have to give that back as sort of the rent, uh, you know, at the end of the year or harvest scenario, whether or not their crop did well or, or didn't do well. Uh, and so, anyway, so the manager, the good steward, or the dishonest steward, I guess, uh, would have been sort of overseeing these relationships uh, on the land or in the farm. And so the crux of the problem uh, in the parable is that there's this guy and he is wasting uh, possessions. He's squandering uh, property, right? And so it's interesting. At the beginning of the parable, the issue here is with waste, uh, right? The master has a problem with it, uh, wasting his resources, which... If you, like, hired someone particularly to do the job of, like, the exact opposite of that, I could see why you'd be upset when anyway that happened. But, um, you ever had someone waste a, one of your resources? You know what I'm saying? Uh, ever had someone, like, you, you give them something to use of yours, or, or maybe, like, you, you, you uh, lent someone some money for something, and, like, the next second you, you know... You saw them at the dollar menu, and you're like, oh, come on, you know, or, or something, you know. Uh, my, so mine, actually, is time. Time is by far my most treasured resource. And, uh, and, 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 and probably I have problems with this, actually. But, uh, recently, uh, the other day, I was, I was selling a, a refrigerator to a, a guy, and he was supposed to meet me at, at 4 o'clock. And 4 o'clock comes. And it's 4.03, and like you do, he messages me and says, Hey, I'm running late. And uh, you're like, you're already late, jabroni. And uh, anyway, and, uh, and he's like, how does, uh, how does 4.30 sound? And I'm like, uh, no, not good. You know, I'm here waiting on you right now. Like, there's other stuff I need to be doing anyway. But I made it work, and I hung out and everything. And then he gets there, finally at 4.30, and uh, and we're looking at the refrigerator, and he's like, "Hey, what, what do you think about taking like, what do you think about like just knocking off like twenty bucks, you know, to use refrigerator and all that?" And and literally, I looked at him and said, "Like, maybe if you'd have been here at four o'clock, yeah." And uh, yeah, that was just like I get like at this point in my life, I do not care. And uh, and he's like, "Oh yeah, touche." Yeah. And anyway, so, yeah, I was like, do not waste my time, dude. Like, dude, you just, for real. But uh, anyway, it's something I'm really working on, though, now living with three women. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, a value. I have a shift, shift in my life. Uh, but, uh, shoot. Uh, anyway, so, gosh, what are we talking about? Okay, resources. Uh, so the manager, uh, the manager comes in, and he's like, um, 
uh, the master tells the manager, you got to turn in your books, right? So he would have had these, these accounting books. He would have kept records, meticulous records of everything. So, uh, uh, so the manager's like, go get your book. All right, you know, we'll see you guys later. Uh, uh, and uh, turn in your books. Uh, sort of, uh, in reality, though, there's sort of this, uh, maybe in parentheses, kind of underneath the thing, uh, for the original hearers that would have been like, well, why wasn't this guy just thrown in jail? And so, almost in the outset, there's a little bit of this ungirded uh, mercy that's shown by the master to the manager that, that he just loses his job and doesn't get thrown in jail or something. Verse 3, uh, then the manager said to himself, what will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, uh, and I'm ashamed to beg. Uh, so basically, there's kind of like a little bit of like laziness and pride uh, going on with this guy. You know, I've met lots of people who weren't strong enough to dig and were you know too ashamed to beg, and, and uh, it's like me on Saturdays, really. But um, he says I have decided to do so that. Um, when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. Uh, so it's, re- it's crucial for the man to basically retain some friends in this small village community, right? Because his future kind of depends on it. So verse 5. So summoning his master's uh, debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? And he answered, A uh, hundred drugs of olive oil. Uh, and so, depending on uh, what, if you're reading from a different version, like this could be several different things, uh, but it would basically be about eight to nine hundred gallons of olive oil would have would have been what he owed. And then he said to him, "Take your bill, sit down, and quickly and, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, "How much do you owe?" Uh, and he replied, "A hundred containers of wheat." Uh, now, there would have been like a, a, about a thousand bushels of wheat. So, this is like, this is not like a little bit of wheat. And again, it's like if, if the crop doesn't do well, then, uh, you know, it still is. And uh, he, said, uh, he said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And uh, what's interesting, and it takes a little bit of math or whatever, but uh, what the manager does is the amounts reduced are both essentially equivalent to about 500 denarii, right? About 500 day's work or so, and so you just sort of see, like, he's got this set amount, and he's trying to make tracks, and he's swiftly just saying, all right, that much off for you, same amount off for you, same amount off for you, and he's, and he's acting very swift uh, in this scenario, uh, lopping off sort of the, the same for everyone. Uh, so, so what's happening here now, so this man must, must now find a new job, right? And uh, he knows in this little community where, you know, he's in, it's like no one's going to want to hire a crook. Uh, but no one yet knows uh, what he's done, so he needs a personal makeover in the eyes of the village, in the eyes of everyone uh, around. And so, uh, you know, no one wants to hire someone who was sort of fired because of wastefulness. Uh, and so, with what little moments he still had at the helm of, of his position, he used these uh, valuable resources, right? This, this oil or this wheat and this stuff that was growing, and he decided that he was going to take this and make it into something more uh, so that he could uh, make friends, right? So that uh, he would have a, a, a future, right? And so he, he allotted it off and gave it back and he took, took the credit, uh, you know, so that uh, he could find himself uh, a future. And so the parable gets, gets really, uh, gets a little more uh, interesting. 
because when the master comes back, right, uh, for the surrendering of the books, uh, right, he learns of the discount that has taken place. Uh, now, I don't know about you guys, but uh, if I would have been the master uh, and this guy had already, like, wasted a bunch of my resources, and then I show up and then find out that now, like, he's given more discounts on top of this, uh, I think I would be a little upset, you know. I, you know, I think, you know, I'm not going to say I would have done, like, taekwondo on the guy or anything, but... You know, I, I think I would have been a little perturbed at, at the situation. And, uh, and so, it, it's just really interesting. But I guess if you're, already, if you're already losing your job, and you know, like, it's going down, that, um, you know, it's kind of like, you might as well just put all your cards on the table and see what you can do with your hand, right? And so, uh, he does this. But what's, I think, most interesting in the story is that the manager, in his shrewdness, right, in his uh, wisdom, realizes that the only way out of this, right, the only way that he's going to, like, keep his skin in the game and, and stay alive, uh, right, for another day, is, is that he find new camaraderie with others. Is that he enter into deeper and better relationships uh, with the people around him, right, to better connect himself the community. Essentially, he realizes that he needs to make friends, right? I, I, I love that this is sort of the, the clinchpin. Friends. Anybody here got friends? Poor Stevens. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, it was really funny, yesterday when we were at Holiday World, uh, we randomly just, like, we waited in this crazy long line, and then we randomly had this girl jump in on one of our boats or whatever from the singles line. You know how they pick people from the singles line? And I uh, kind of find out she's like our age, like exactly, she's from Ohio, and she's just at Holiday World for two days by herself. And, uh, and it was like, um, and then we just, she hung out with us like the rest of the day almost. And anyway, it was... Uh, it was interesting that uh, that I, I think you know just the, you know who, who comes to Holiday World by themselves, you know, unless you just really don't have any good friends to come with. Anyway, and, and it just sort of struck me as like, how does this how does this still happen? Uh, fr friends, do you have any friends? Who are your friends? Are they close friends? I mean, how do you know if they're your friends or they're close friends? Can I be your friend? Can we be close friends? Are we close friends? Now I have to go knock on, on Kevin and Chelsea's door and see if, see if Chelsea cleans the house real quick before she lets me in because that's how I know if we're close friends. <laughs> what makes someone a friend? Is it Facebook? Is it, do I follow you on Instagram? Do I like your photos? The more photos I like, the better friends we are, right? Is that, is that how it works, right? Is it because I smiled at you and commented and complimented your sweater? You know, are we better friends now, right? Uh, because I, I'm taking interest in your life? 
Or uh, the deeper you go, does it require something more to make better friends or to make friendships better? Uh, right? Do I have to invest more of my own time and my own resources? Right? Does does friendship actually require a lot of me? Uh, you know, what's uh, I think what's interesting or what's um, What, why is it why is it that like the older you get the more harder it is to make friends? Uh, I, I recently saw this video that was floating around on Facebook and uh, it was really funny. It was like these uh, these older people who were sitting alone in cafes and stuff and they basically uh, took these little like five-year-olds and they just like said, go make a friend with this person. And these little kids, uh, are like just one, one on, as a one-on-one scenario, will go up to these uh, people who are just sitting there alone, and they were just intentionally trying to make friends with them. And the kids were just like being normal kids, you know, and just inquisitive and, and fun. And the older people had this look on their face like, I can't believe I'm making a new friend right now. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it was just sort of the coolest, most simple uh, little reminder. But, you know, it's like in our youth, it's like in our youth, we, we do this really well. And especially in, and I think as, uh, you know, in your teens and in college, and you're sort of thrown into this mix and this scenario and this time of life where you're just with these people and you experience things together and you go together. But then as you get older, you know, you don't, you find yourself in sort of different scenarios too. Like you're not going to school with anyone. You know, you're sort of going to work, and it's sort of a different environment. Uh, and you're like, am I friends with these people? Uh, we, we actually been talking about this in our men's group uh, the other night. And, and, uh, and how one, they're talking about one study has shown that, uh, that older men in particular, we were talking about, especially men in their 50s or 60s, they find themselves uh, without uh, really any friends at all other than their like spouses if you know if they're married or something. Uh, or especially close friends. You know, and uh, and I'll you know, I look at yeah, I mean I, I feel like there's a lot of truth there. But not just for men obviously. Uh, and and it does make me think about the gospel, right? Uh, you know, over and over, take care of the widows, take care of the orphans, take care of the elderly. Um Anyway, why, why is it so difficult for us to, to find friends? Uh, some of you guys know my friend Carl, who's here sometimes. And, uh, and I freaking love Carl. We met in 2010 at a, a St. Patrick's Day party we held here at this house. And uh, anyway, and he has like gone above and beyond to like retain our friendship, you know, and and uh, you know, and I can't, I can't say that like I've put like a lot of extra into it, but he just like keeps track with me, and I don't feel like I have to. He's calling me like every two days, and you know, I always know what's going on with Carl in his in his life, you know. But you realize uh, that that originally happens because uh, you know this said person doesn't really have any other connections, they don't have any other friends, you know, other than me and Brian, you know, and that there's something else that is needed here. And so uh, it, it, it makes you wonder, you know, uh, how pivotal and life-saving friendships can actually be, right? I think, it's, I think it's good for everyone to have friends and friendships that remind you that it's not all about you, 
You know, I think sometimes we we have friends or feel like the friendships are supposed to be about us. You know, but I think what what if sometimes uh, friendship is is also just kind of not about you. Anyway, we're all over the place. But uh, what does it mean to to pay attention to people that are in proximity to you, the people that work around you, the people that live around you, right? I wonder how often maybe we find ourselves ignoring uh, situations or just kind of hoping that, uh, you know, something might not be required of us uh, in this certain relationship or this certain friendship. So, but this morning, anyway, uh, you know what the difference between a, a, a hopeless world and a hopeful world is? In a world where the kingdom of God is coming or not coming, it's friends, it's relationship, it's community, right? Uh, our ability to engage in holy community, right, with one another, to, to share life resources, to be vulnerable, right, to laugh and to cry um, with one another. All right, back to the text, back to the text. So uh, in our, we, we see this story... And in our modern Western eyes, we think, why doesn't he just like throw the manager out and, and retract the reductions? Uh, but as we learn in this small community, right, that uh, for, for us, uh, it's easy to sort of like just put the shaft on people that we don't really know, right? But the master knows all these people. He's in relationships uh, with all these people. So, um, you know, it's not easy to say no to a stranger. And, uh, and so he would rather be in this community uh, a good guy rather than a bad guy, right? And more than that, it's, uh, it's a huge value in his time for a master like him to be seen as generous. Uh, so the manager would have made a lot of new friends in this scenario, but the master uh, would have been like a village hero uh, after this. And so it was a win-win-win uh, as... Michael Scott would put it. But um, anyway, verse 8. So, uh, in, uh, and his master, it says, commended the dishonest manager. And quick sign up, uh, again, I'm not like a huge fan of this term, dishonest. Uh, it's this Greek word, uh, like a, a dika, and it's usually always translated as um, unjust or unrighteous or something like that. Uh, and so, but a lot of commentators or translators put dishonest here because the context maybe fits dishonest more. And I think dishonest could be helpful, but I think in the at the end of it all, it's almost maybe makes the parable a little bit more confusing. But, uh, but it says, because he had uh, acted shrewdly, for the children of this age are more shrewd or prudent or wise or intelligent um, in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest or unjust wealth. Uh, the word there is mamona, I, I believe. Uh, we just, a lot, of, if you just want to directly translate it, it's mammon. You guys ever use the word mammon? No. It's such a weird word. Like, it's in our language, like, mammon. And it's like, it's like wealth, it's like wealth or riches opposed to God, you know, that, Maybe like a false, false idol uh, sort of wealth. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, so make, make friends for yourselves by, by uh, unjust uh, or, or worldly maybe uh, wealth or riches 
so that when it is gone, when it has rested, when the moths have eaten it, when it's gone away, that they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Uh, there's this old gospel hymn that, uh, that I used to uh, hear a lot growing up, because I went to a lot of gospel singings growing up, for another time. And uh, it's, uh, it's called Vision of Heaven. And it's about this, uh, this person who, uh, she died and she went and Jesus welcomed her into heaven and she started strolling through heaven and one by one she began to encounter uh, all of these people who she had met through life, right? This old woman who had taken care of her, the beggar who uh, she used to always see her parents and uh, they say, child, welcome home. And I always thought it's such a beautiful picture that we would be welcomed uh, into this new kingdom uh, by the friends that we had made uh, in this life. Um, by the way, uh, it's if you go home and, and, and read Luke 16, there's this beautiful uh, image that happens because this it's bookended by these two parables, right? By this one in the rich man and Lazarus, right? And you can notice the, the contrast between these parables that there was a rich man and this other one wasn't found shrewd. He wasn't found prudent with his resources. He didn't do friendship well. And uh, you can kind of see what happened to him uh, when he had to turn his books in. And uh, there's just sort of a very different image that happens in that parable. Uh, and so uh, what does it mean for us to, to be in faithfulness to our master with our resources, right? To make friends with whatever we've got for the sake of the kingdom of God, right? With with what's in our hands or what's what's available to us, right? Our, even our mammon, uh, right? Uh, and so uh, this parable is very much like, it reminds me of when Jesus uh, said, uh, how's it go? When, uh, how, uh, you know, that, 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 that evil or bad people know how to give good gifts to their children, so how much more do we, or do those who are good, know how to give good gifts to their children, right? It's, it's kind of like that. If the unrighteous steward can do so much good and bring good with, with all this, right, then how much more should the children of light? <laughs> it's like, we're just not very good at this. What's interesting is that Jesus does tell this parable in earshot of the Pharisees, right, the representatives of the kingdom, who, who were right there, who were not really good friends, but as, as it says in the text, who were lovers of, of money. And so I wonder, uh, I wonder this morning, just sort of wrapping up, if, if our greatest challenge isn't that we're people who tend to be isolated, who tend to be a little individualist, and sometimes even apathetic, and I know for me, when I've worked all day, and I get home and, like, say on a rare moment, or, or maybe while I'm, you know, riding around the truck and I turn on the news, and you just start hearing it all, like, I mean, it's easy to get to Aberdeen. Like, it doesn't take much, you know. I'd kind of rather be watching Hulu right now. And, uh, you know, or getting my Infinity Stones or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd kind of rather be something else. But, uh, you know, especially as an introvert. As an introvert. Uh, I should probably figure out my context before I start saying things like that. <laughs> uh, as an introvert, you know, I have to be super intentional about leaving space 
uh, unharvested for my friends. And I know some of you extroverts in the room might not know what I'm talking about, but you introverts, uh, you're like preaching. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, it's different. And then if you're a nine, nines, and we're going to get Enneagram up in here, nines have uh, less amount of energy than any other number. This is a fact. Richard Rohr wrote it down. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so I have to be super intentional about leaving unused space uh, and unused material and unused resources for my friends to literally leave the edges of my field uh, unharvested so that there's some for other people. Because I think maybe the greatest temptation for us is that we just consume all of the weed ourselves. Right? I mean, because it's ours. And we grew it. Right? And uh, it's my resource. And so, what does it mean? I mean, it wouldn't be a, a bad thing if I just use it, right? I love this uh, text from Leviticus 23. It's also found in Leviticus 19. The Lord said, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner, for the friendless presiding among you, right? I'm the Lord, your God. Mm. So I wonder if there's not a greater challenge for us today, for our generation, than to learn to leave the edges of our fields unharvested. What are the treasured resources in your field this morning? You know, uh, I think... Also, sometimes we think about our Christianity and our community and our church and our spirituality as this, you know, inner thing. But what does it mean that it's equally and inseparably also an outer thing and an outer love that involves material and touches? It says, For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. Uh, last little story real quick. I, my friend in Germany told me about uh, another friend he had, and he it was like back when the Wii came out, you know, and, and the Wii was awesome. I still think the Wii's awesome, you know, you can move your body. But um, anyway, and so this guy just started inviting some friends over to play Wii, and, uh, and then they got invited more friends over, and then pretty soon there was like Wii night, you know. And then one night, uh, his friend just felt compelled to just be like, uh, hey, I don't know even why I'm kind of saying this, but does anybody have anything they want to pray about? And then one guy was like, you know, there's a little bit of silence, and then one guy was like, yeah, I got something. You know, and, uh, and then another guy was like, well, if we're going to pray, I got something. You know, and like, uh, you know, a couple weeks later, it's like week prayer group night, you know, and uh, and I say this to say like ah, this is not about you know let's figure out how to do bait and switch better in the church, but what does it mean to be a real friend? What does it mean 
to take what you have and see the kingdom advance through it this morning. And so uh, I'm going to read these last couple verses to, to wrap up uh, in another translation. Uh, some of you guys are familiar with the voice translation. We have several voice Bibles up there. But they, uh, they translate it this way. First time, learn some lessons from this crooked but clever asset manager. Realize that the purpose of money is to strengthen friendships, to provide opportunities for being generous and kind. Eventually, money will be useless to you. But if you use it generously to serve others, you will be welcomed joyfully into your eternal destination. If you're faithful in small-scale matters, you'll be faithful with far bigger responsibilities. And if you're crooked in small responsibilities, you'll be no different in bigger things. <laughs> Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this morning, may you know that the greatest thing that you have to offer uh, to the world. <laughs> what did you say? Did you say manna or mammon? Mammon. Your mammon. Uh, Brian. <laughs> it is an uncomfortable word. Brian's a whole care for it. It's kind of a dirty word, isn't it? Oh, boy. Yeah. You didn't hear that from me. I was actually not going to say that. But uh, what I was going to say is yourself, uh, you, uh, and us uh, as the church and as the community. So let's pray this morning, and uh, we'll invite the kids back in, and we'll continue to worship as we close this out. Let's pray. Lord God. I can't thank you enough this morning for the gift of these friends. Lord, that, that we can gather and share life together and lift up one another and touch one another and love one another. That the thing that many we take for granted the most uh, is one another in the relationships that we have with one another, God. That your kingdom comes in these moments as we rub elbow, elbows and shoulders with one another, God, as we break bread together. But even in that, God, help us not forget that the treasure that we have here and the harvest that, that we have here, there's, a, there's an entire world that would love to get in on some of this. And so what does it mean for us to be shrewd, to be wise about everything that you've given us. Help us to find that place this morning, God. Help us to seek you with all of our hearts and see your kingdom come in our lives, in our city, in our world this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.